Hey there. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're using. It would really help spread the word about the show. Thanks and happy spelling. Welcome to Dispel Magic, the podcast where we overthink the impact of magic on the worlds of d and I'm your host, Benjamin, game designer and writer. You might know me as Sterling Vermin or the Sterling Vermin Adventuring Company. And I'm Dane, a dungeon master, a podcaster, and a voice actor. And you may know me from the Dispel Magic podcast that I'm on I'm, right now. I hear that's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. Tell your friends. <laughs> Today, we are going to be talking about the spell Detect Poison and Disease. Yawn. Yeah. Kind of a sleeper hit. <laughs> Don't tell. Maybe you, maybe you haven't heard about this one, but it's a little, little something we like to call Detect Poison and Disease. Uh, Benjamin, I got to tell you, I, I never have never taken this spell. And I, I don't I, I know mean, if anyone has. <laughs> in the whole history of Dungeons and Dragons, this spell has never been taken by a first level new player. It's boring. It's tedious. It doesn't do anything. But let's let's run down the specifics anyway. Yeah. Detect poison and disease ooh, is a first level divination spell with the ritual tag available to cleric, druid, paladin, and ranger. It takes an action to cast. It has a range of self and a duration of 10 minutes. Specifically, the spell text says, for the duration, you can sense the presence and location of poisons, poisonous creatures, and diseases within 30 feet of you. You also identify the kind of poison, poisonous creature, or disease in each case. The spell can penetrate most barriers, but is blocked by the classic one foot of stone, one inch of common metal, and a thin sheet of lead or three feet of wood or dirt. Benjamin, is that kind of uh, standard, the one foot, one inch, all that jazz throughout the spells? It's definitely on some other spells. Like I think Detect Magic has that limitation, mm -hmm. and there may be others like detect traps but also you should never take the spell detect traps but yeah I, we'll I, get into that later that's another episode that's that, yeah that's definitely an inherited kind of concept that it can penetrate barriers but then there's like these very specific superman rules lengths yeah of different materials that end up blocking it <laughs> kind of silly i think like, it is like, a little silly because but they need those restrictions so that people aren't like i see it on the other side of the world i see it i see it through the world <laughs> Well, but this this only goes thirty feet. Yeah, so <laughs> that's it's true. Not, that's not a that's not a, a thing you would worry about anyway. This is more like I guess just for the DM to come up with like really silly situations gotchas. where it doesn't. It's, it's kind of like gotchas, you know. I think that's basically it. Yeah, gotchas. Or if they want to withhold information, they're like, well, the box is lined in lead, you can't see it. The other thing is that it opens up the possibility of, and I hadn't thought of this until just now. If you are carrying around a poison on you you would want to carry it in some kind of vial that's completely surrounded by lead. Yeah. Because or then it's uh, it three feet of wood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. That would be um, hilarious to see it's somebody walking, walking around with like a giant block of wood. Cause it would have to around be their like neck at least like six, 
six yeah. feet in in all directions. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. then big tall, yeah. big tall person walking around. A big tall person walking up the six foot square. I, you know, okay. Well, for, wood right off the top, we do poison. need to do a bit of a content warning because we are going to be discussing diseases broadly, and we are in the midst of a global pandemic. So, if these are topics that are something that you are more sensitive to, then please. Go ahead and skip this up. But back to our six foot wide wood for your drop of poison in the middle. Yeah. What 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 makes you want to talk about this spell at all, Benjamin? Okay. So the reason I want to talk about this spell is because, like you indicated earlier, Dane, this is probably a spell almost no one has ever taken in their life <laughs> because it's not something that in the midst of adventuring comes up often enough that this is what you'd want to have prepared well this this is kind of it feels almost like a more of one of the plot spells right yes it's either a plot spell or it's a it's a function spell i do know one person who took this spell okay out of how many DD players do you know of the ones that i've dm'd probably like over 20 okay so out of 20 people you know one person it was my mother the spell okay the one time she played D&D, she played a would half. You call her a, would you call her a savvy player? <laughs> I would say I would say that she is a from the hip player. She played a half orc paladin named Virtue Victorious, who whose mission was to defeat evil. I mean, that's a pretty badass name. No, and she we didn't get into the moral gray area of who decides what evil right. is okay, and, sure. and things like that. It was all very black and white. That for wasn't her. a conversation you wanted to have with your mom. Not at that that moment in that space, but she did take this because she saw it as a way of finding evil. Right. Poisoners, people who, Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't generally associate the use of poison with somebody with a kind of upstanding moral code. Yeah, an altruistic, like, our benefactor, the poison maker, is here to give the proceeds of this function to the orphans, and and it's all built on poison. Although... (laughs) Even that is, I think we actually, we can get to a gray area with that later. Of course. So that we deal in gray areas, Benjamin. So the reason I want to talk about this is because it's not that great for standard adventuring, Mm -hmm. but the fact that it exists has a ton of implications about how this world, the worlds that it exists in should work. Like some other spells we've talked about, this is Mm -hmm. a ritual spell, which means that it can be cast repeatedly all day long by anybody who's a ritual caster who knows the spell just over and over again the best job in the world over and over again just every 10 minutes (laughs) and so i think the first thing that will jump to people's minds when they hear that is i think everybody kind of knows that in ye olden days Mm -hmm. kings would have tasters to make sure they weren't being poisoned you can skip that with this spell you just just have the The cleric who knows the spell to do it every time. Right. And they don't even have to, you don't even have to risk losing somebody like a, a, like a loyal servant. It's just, they cast the spell and can, and can tell you if it's poisoned or not. So the other thing is that not only does it tell you if something is poisoned, it also tells you what kind of poison. Yeah, it's wild. It's a lot of information. So this, yeah, it is a lot of information and I'm, curious about how this is actually specifically supposed to work because obviously some poisons are like combinations of things Mm -hmm. and i don't really know exactly how they intend for you to deliver 
that kind of information. But speaking of moral gray areas, all recreational drugs are poisonous. Mm-hmm. Like this thing would go off crazy in a tavern for because, alcohol. Alcohol yeah, is yeah, poison. exactly because all of the alcohol there would be triggering as poison, which is neither here nor there. But it does make me think that in addition to wealthy merchants, kings, probably crime bosses mm-hmm. using this to ensure they aren't poisoned. It also has like an economic use in people who deal with recreational substances. Yeah. They can they can not only casting the spell do they know that it it's a poison, but they also know specifically what it is. I'm just thinking about all the like action movies or crime movies you see mm-hmm. where there's the whole scene where like two people drive up in a car and they're like let me see what's in the briefcase and they're like test it or whatever. They put their little, their pinky in there. They don't need to do the pinky thing anymore. Right. They don't need to do the pinky thing. There's no like little scanner. It's just just like, oh, this is talcum powder. You've given me talcum powder. I can't get poisoned by this. Whole mess of beer or I don't know. What's what's that thing? The Khajiit smoke and skooma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole mess of skooma in here. (laughs) This is what I asked for. Here's your 100 gold pieces or whatever well and and even the more mundane things of just like checking cargo like what's spoiled coming across the seas or or depending on how industrialized your setting is you just have a factory worker just sitting there being like oh this one's bad whatever this this edible widget is bad i yeah i hadn't thought about that but for sure in every port there would be somebody who goes for to each incoming yeah, ship and checks it's just it like, out. What what diseases are you bringing? What right. customs? Like you can't you can't bring that on here. That's gonna make everyone <laughs> sick. What are you doing now? If you pay me five thousand gold pieces, then maybe I'm gonna look the other way. And and that's what we're gonna come up against is the weak link in the chain is of course the human factor. There, yeah infinitely corruptible completely variable in what they can say what they can do zone of truth even is not infallible they can survive that check and not have to tell the truth Mm -hmm. so you're not wrong in that this has all of these impacts but at the same time the their places for dms and players to exploit the details the devil's in the details yeah for sure i mean pay off the person at the port who cast the spell pay off the king's tester whatever else and then you get two testers yeah like it really well yeah i actually think most like really wealthy people would probably hire two (laughs) testers who don't know each other and aren't allowed to to talk to each other (laughs) they 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 live in separate parts of town they're they're not allowed to be on the street at the same time right like in maybe in areas with really big crime even their identities are secret like they wear a mask or something oh that's that's a great detail that's a great story detail is that like you know the detect the detectives the detectors the detectors they've got like some crazy mask and they're super important because your world is rife with disease and they play an infinitely important role in the town yeah who knows there's a disease for all the sea life and they are the only thing keeping your town from starvation something like that and also just so that your detectors aren't targeted for corruption yeah like if you gotta wear 
cool bitch in masks. A wealthy merchant, and you don't want your competition to poison you. You're going to want to keep the identity of who detects poison for you a secret so that they can't yeah. outpay, outpay them. Now, this is all poisons, but let's get into the disease aspect right. of it. With spells like restoration, lesser, greater, what have mm -hmm. you, that instantly cure a disease right what is what use is this spell as soon as the disease is there you cure it and it's no longer an issue so why even have this the first thing that comes to my mind when i think of this spell and the fact that it's a first level spell it's a ritual so it can as long as you've got two clerics at mm -hmm. a hospital or a temple basically they always perfectly diagnose everybody who comes in to the hospital mm -hmm. or the or the temple or, or you know however that yeah. works the boarding house in our own world germ theory and mm. how we understand diseases has proceeded really slowly because there's nothing to see really like we see yeah. the symptoms but we don't see what's causing the disease we certainly don't know the specific disease they have but again this tells this, you exactly what the tells disease tells you is. specifically <laughs> what disease they have so if I cast the spell and I see that you have flu mm -hmm. and the next, Vampirism. Day, the next day you come back and your family has the flu too, I've got a lot of clues about how the flu spreads. Mm -hmm. Like people it's would not, just kind of know. Right. How it's it not works. going. Yeah. So it would be much easier to figure out, you know, in our world, somebody might get the flu and it's not as bad or mm -hmm. they don't have symptoms and they're just a carrier or whatever. In this world, asymptomatic diseases, you would still be able to see. Be able to see. Somebody comes to town, they're a vampire. And then the next day, their family comes to town and their family is all vampires. They know how it know. spreads. I don't know. It, is vampirism a disease in 5e? I think, what, however, you want to color it, baby. Okay. Well, that's up know. to the DM, baby. Lycanthropy, the disease. Lycanthropy is a disease, I think. What? I don't what? 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 Vampires anyway. and, and werewolves, they're the same thing. They're the same, they're just wolf versions. That is uh, false, but <laughs> I'm going to let it stand uncorrected at this time. Fair enough. The amazing thing about this that I want to just mm -hmm. emphasize is that if you cast this as a ritual, or actually no matter how you cast it, it lasts for 10 minutes. And it's everyone and everything you can see within 30 feet. For instance, if you were having an outbreak of a disease and wanted to quickly find out who was sick and who wasn't, you could cast the spell and have a line of people walk towards you while yeah. you walk towards them. And over the course of 10 minutes, however many people you, you just clear it out in that time, you're picking out who has it and who doesn't. Well, and it then be, you got have somebody behind you with lesser restoration, just curing them. I mean, yeah. So I will say I'm ignoring the existence of lesser restoration for the purposes of this conversation. Uh -huh because okay. I don't think lesser restoration needs to exist for this spell to still be super important and impactful. Okay, lesser fair restoration enough. compounds how important and impactful this is, but well, it doesn't I, need it to be. I was saying it just negates it completely and now we don't even need it. Like that person looks sick. Create a restoration. This, this tells you though, who's a carrier. Like lesser restoration also is not a, uh, at the time where you're casting spell slot. lesser restoration, you're, you're using spell slots 
So at that point, you don't want to be casting it willy-nilly. You want right. to be targeting specifically only the people who have it. That makes sense. Eliminating the sources, you know? So in this scenario, it's it becomes very difficult for there to be mass outbreaks mm-hmm. of, of diseases because the, it can be perfectly detected. I can differentiate between whether or not you have the flu, a cold, allergies, because allergies yeah. just isn't going to show up. Like yeah. I know just by looking at your you, whole deal. Yeah, the whole thing. So so outbreaks really can't exist. Wouldn't exist. Because trivially easy to just quarantine or whatever now, else people who are sick. narratively d on the dm side of things ostensibly could there be a magical disease i think there'd definitely be room for a plot for like a evil wizard who's created a disease mm-hmm. whose only magical component is that it doesn't show, show up. up to detect <laughs> poison and disease like a, a silver yeah. bullet type of you know, magical right. disease or something like lim- lycanthropy. Although lycanthropy, that's. <laughs> I think for that to be interesting, though, you have to really build into the world that these things already exist. Yeah, because if you don't, then I think most people will be like, "Oh, well, so what? The, the spell doesn't do that because I don't know how useful that spell is anyway." So I guess the the deepening of the world by fully understanding this spell. What, what, how, how do you suggest people deepen their world through analyzing this spell? Well, so in addition to what we've already talked about, which I think it plenty deepens the world and, mm-hmm. this, and this plot hook of maybe a, somebody nefarious concocting a disease that evades it, you've also got the fact that the existence of this spell helps people create very specific treatments for each mm. disease. Yeah, because suddenly they can differentiate a cold from a flu and they can figure out what treats a cold and what treats a flu. What's really interesting about the spell is that it facilitates a mundane science. The other thing, which we haven't touched on yet, could be you could interpret from what we've said is that this is far beyond anything even modern medicine. Right. Yeah, it's the like, ultimate cat this scan. Is, yeah, this is perfect. This is perfect diagnosis. This is a tricorder. This is yeah. a <laughs> exactly. This is a tricorder in a world where lesser restoration also exists. You'll never die of a disease because yeah. this will always be a bit the detecting as long as you're in a place that has a person with this, right? So remote villages. Right. Um, that's yeah, that's true. Maybe atheistic civilizations, the settlements that don't believe in any gods and are godless heathens and don't want gods around and they don't care about gods. You're really digging on that. I mean, (laughs) sure. I mean, probably you could be an atheist and still have druids. I would say probably you can even be an atheist and still have clerics. Hey, Um, if you say so. But DMs will disagree. Some DMs. Oh, right. And the the rangers, right. Who get their magic from. Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) but rangers don't have ritual caster without a feat. So without a feat, right. Rangers are in a slightly different situation in in regards to this spell. Am I too hard on rangers, Benjamin? I don't understand your specific deal with them. It's a bit. I'm I'm doing a bit. I also don't care. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So it's all so it all shakes out. Continue. Please continue. The other thing I was thinking about with this, I came kind of late when I was thinking about it, is that so we've talked about this idea of a ridiculous situation where a cleric is running one way down the street and a whole line of people who may right. be diseases running the other direction. It's like a trolley problem. Because we I don't know if you know what the trolley problem is, if you think that's like the trolley problem. It's like the trolley um, problem. 
Yeah. Okay. It's not like the trolley problem is all I'm going to say. Okay. Fair um, enough. Agree so, to disagree. Because in this, in a world where the spell exists, people would have a much better understanding of how diseases spread. They would also know diseases generally can't transmit through barriers. Mm-hmm. And so, ah, oh, that old three so feet this, of wood. So this detector person, yes, yeah, so this. Well, I mean, probably you wouldn't be doing it through wood. I'm thinking like glass. You could have your detector completely encapsulated, like unable to be infected because of that, and then just detecting people as they come by. The more I thought about this, the more I was like, it's really hard to think through exactly how much the spell would change mm-hmm. the world because. It's so drastic. Right. In our, well, and specifically in our modern, you know, in our current context, I think it's easy to think about how it would reduce outbreaks and sure. eliminate that kind of thing. And that's a dream, you know, in a oh, perfect man. world, we'd love to have this spell so that we could all be avoiding the situation that we're in. Suddenly the, the most boring spell in the game becomes yeah. the most sought after. But then it's also like the fact that this is beyond anything modern science and even most fictional versions of science <laughs> have in terms of like a perfect diagnosis. Of- well, then that's why it's divination, right? It's not, <laughs> it's, it's foreseen yeah. what it is. Like, it's almost like you're going to die this way. Like I, I just, see it in I the guess future. I, would just, I guess I would just think this spell must facilitate medicine as a scientific field so much that like, surgeries are probably available much sooner than in Mm -hmm. our world a whole lot of um, medical treatment that's probably available at a time that would feel anachronistic in our world suddenly making the medicine skill pertinent which is right would really change people's games yeah i've actually because i also have never seen anybody take well i've seen people who don't know what medicine does in the game take medicine but i've never seen anybody who's played D&D more than once take medicine as a skill. Yeah, of course not. One thing that we haven't talked about is the skyrocketing cost of you leaves for people who are going to be casting this spell left and right. Because if you're using a material component, you got to use a U-leaf. And I think that that's, that's a really interesting facet. Like with the trolley car, you are gravely mistaken. The, <laughs> the U-leaf is the material component for this. That's true. But if you are a spellcasting class that has any spellcasting focus, you don't have to have. Oh man, forgot about that focus. And and the U leaf is not consumed by casting the spell. Ah, geez, color me, color me embarrassed. You buy one U leaf ever, and you can cast (laughs) the spell. Yeah, this U leaf was used by your grandmother. Exactly, past job. If you if you break it, we're gonna have to get a new one. And, and that's fine. And that's fine. Really There's a yew tree outside. They're right outside. <laughs> I guess is yew tree what that comes from? Yeah. The yew okay. tree. I mean, I guess that makes sense. It's a tree just covered in Benjamin Huffman's. It's a yew tree. See what I did? I did. I did. I didn't like it, but I saw it. Well, thank you for making me finally realize that detect poison and disease is a worthwhile spell to take forever and, and now and forever. I actually don't know if the lesson is that's worthwhile to take. I think for player <laughs> characters, it's still not worthwhile. Okay. But in terms of how it impacts the setting, hugely, I would say. Yeah. And and we, listener, we'd love to hear how you see this spell impact your setting. If there was any uh, bases we didn't cover on this, please let us know. But uh, Benjamin, you got anything to take us out on? I would just say that 
this spell is a great example of how something that's not very sexy on the surface, that's mm. not a spell that looks like it directly applies to adventuring. It's still worth thinking about how these spells not only might impact the setting, but how you might find creative ways to make them meaningful and useful on a given adventure. Great. Like um, six foot wide uh, poison beads. Exactly. Great. This has been Dispel Magic. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again after your next long rest. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Dispel Magic. If this has inspired any ideas for your game, or you have another take on today's topic, please let us know on Twitter, at DispelMagicPod. You can find Benjamin, at Sterling Vermin, and Dane, at Dane in Danger. Thank you to Slim Mittens for our cover art, produced by Benjamin Huffman, produced and edited by Dean Fox McGraw.